You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, we give you thanks and praise as this Easter season continues that you have blessed us in so many ways. You continue to bless us with your word and your sacrament. You encourage our hope with the eternally new good news of our Lord's resurrection. To strengthen us and bless us as we receive these gifts this day, that not only we may have a right understanding of them, but that they may grab a hold of our hearts and transform our lives so that we may indeed be salt for the earth and light for the world. We ask this in your precious name, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. So when I was in ninth grade, I used to play soccer. And we had the coolest coach. See, this was one of the first times we had someone who wasn't a dad. This was like one of like the 25-year-old just out of college. He came down to work with us ninth, and we just were like, oh, he is so awesome. And uh, it was, it was, he was great. He'd played soccer all through college himself. And uh, he would get us, and we would be doing our warm-ups, and he'd put us in a big circle, and we'd do different types of stretches. Now, stretching is very important in soccer, obviously. You can turn an ankle or a hamstring or pull, pull something very easily. And uh, he'd put us in a circle. Well, one of the stretches he had us do is called a hurdle stretch. And this is where you take one foot and put it straight out in front of you, and you take your knee and put it alongside your body as far back as you can, like you're jumping over a hurdle in midair, right? And as we would hold that stretch and he would be counting, he'd walk around the circle like this, and he'd grab your knee that was already back as far as you thought it could be, and he'd take his foot and push it. And you hear this, ooh, ooh, as he made his rounds around the circle. And I remember one time as we were doing this, he said, yes, boys, you don't ever want to play a game without stretching. He says, you'll get yourself injured. But make no mistake, stretching stinks. <laughs> well, I know that that stretching did me good because to this day, now that I train in karate with my kids, those stretches I did as a soccer player, as a young man, are the ones I can do easiest today. There are some we didn't do we have to do in karate and I can't do them at all. But one of the stretches we do uh, now, y'all met my son? In this stretch, someone kneels down like this, and then you put your foot on their shoulder. Then they stand up. <laughs> and I can affirm for you at 52 that stretching still stinks. <laughs> but stretching is vital. Vital to not only physical activity, but vital to our spiritual growth. And the Lord has all kind of ways of stretching us. 
In fact, once we come to faith, stretching us is a large part of what the spiritual life is about. Now, the first way God stretches, he stretches in at least two ways. They're kind of interconnected, though. One causes the other. The first one is that he will stretch us doctrinally. Now, people get afraid of words like doctrine, but what that means is teaching. He's just teaching us something new. And that can be painful because it means letting go of something we thought was an accurate picture of God in favor of something that's an actually accurate picture of God. See, we live in a day and age when we tend to think that our experiences are self-authenticating, that no one can challenge my experience. If this is how I experience God, you have no, no right to say that to me. Well, God has a right. God will challenge our experience and not only challenge it, but teach us through His Word how to interpret that experience. What its true meaning is for us. There's no more challenging phrase, I think, in the New Testament than in 1 Corinthians when Paul writes to the church and says, after he runs down this long list of things that they are not to do as Christians, and then he gets to the end of that list and says, and such were some of you. He's saying, you used to think doing those things was okay. God's word tells you different. And your experience doesn't mean buckus compared to God's word. Well, that stretches us. That, that, that really, it's, it's difficult to give something up that we think we understand in favor of something that God's bringing us a new understanding of, a better understanding of. And you see this in today's gospel reading. Jesus says a bunch of stuff that makes no sense to his disciples. Isn't seeing, seeing? What does he mean we're going to see him, then we're not going to see him? Then We're confused, Lord. Well, obviously, Jesus is teaching them. We know Jesus is teaching them what the meaning of the resurrection will be so that when it happens, they can start to think about what that means for their lives. And they know how to think about it. But right now, they're just confused. I mean, isn't seeing just seeing? Well, that's not even true on his face, right? I can prove it to you right now. If I say to you, I have... I have looked in the face of Christ and seen God. You know exactly what I'm saying. But what I don't mean is, I've seen Jesus. I've looked in His face. And therefore, I've truly seen God. <laughs> I see the Lord through the picture the Holy Spirit puts in my mind as I hear the word of the Lord. And so in my mind's eye, I can see the face of Christ but I can't see it with these two eyes. I look forward to the day when I can. <laughs> Jesus was expanding the understanding, the teachings his disciples had to, to get a grip on in order to be his disciples. And that was painful. And that's, that's the second kind of pain that the stretching of the Lord does for us. It's emotional stretching. It's hard enough when it's something new. Right? Hard enough when it's something new. But it's even harder when it's something you already know. And he really needs to stretch your heart to wrap your, your reality around that. We see it a couple times in our scripture readings today. Good old Peter, right? You heard me talk about it with the children's sermon. Peter's been following the Jewish kosher laws his entire life. This is what you can eat. This is what you can't eat. This is who you can eat with. This is who you can't eat with. And God gives him a vision. Nope, everyone's part of the party now. In fact, 
go ahead and have that Kung Pao shrimp. (laughs) But Peter, Peter, in order to really come to grips with that, now we see him in the reading we got from Acts, we see him articulating it, we see him saying that, yeah, the Gentiles are part of the family now, folks. But afterward, he backed away from that. He had to let go of this idea that I'm part of God's special people in favor of the idea that we're all part of God's special people. That must have cost him something. Emotionally, it must have hurt. must have stretched him because when other people came along and said, you know that vision from God? No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's keep them at a separate table. You know, we, used to do that? we used to do on Christmas services, uh, Christmas dinners, we had a kid's table and the adult table. That's kind of what they wanted to do. Keep the Gentiles over here and keep the adults at this table. And Peter caved to that pressure and Paul had to challenge him at Antioch and call him back to the true teaching. The Lord had to stretch Peter so he could really come to grips with the fact that everyone really was part of what God was doing now regardless of their ethnicity or what country they came from. Think about it, another place that's kind of implicit in all our readings through this Easter season is those original apostles. We come here for Good Friday service, one of my favorite services of the year. It's that service of darkness and quiet and we have, it kind of ends on a somber note. But here's the reality, we all know what's coming Sunday, right? We're going home to keep prepping the house and get the dinner ready and all this kind of stuff. That first set of apostles had no idea that that resurrection was coming. They saw their Lord taken down from a cross and put in a new tomb and they thought all of their hopes and dreams were shattered. The bottom had just dropped out of their world. And while they rejoiced again on Easter morning when the Lord appeared to them, there were still important parts of that, their hopes and expectations that they'd had on Good Friday that were gone forever. And coming to grips with this reality called the resurrection is what the whole of the rest of the New Testament is about. What does this mean for our lives? They had to be stretched. And they were stretched so far that ten of the original twelve apostles die martyrs' deaths when on the day Jesus was crucified they ran and hid. That's how changed and stretched they were by this new thing the Lord had done in the resurrection. It's hard to be stretched emotionally that way. But it's even harder when it's something that you already know is true, but the Lord really needs to drive it deeper into your heart and change you. And I want to share with you an experience I had recently that brought this home to me again. I was on my way into uh, to perform a funeral at a local funeral home a couple of weeks ago. And um, as I was walking into the building, a car came whipping into the parking lot, just way, way, way too fast for a place where you are, can be certain people are walking around. And I had just gotten done talking to the funeral director and asking him where he wanted my, me to park my car because I was to be part of the entourage from the funeral home to the cemetery. And he had shown me the spot. And this car, after whipping around us pulled into that spot right where I was supposed to park. And he had some stuff to do. So I said, don't worry, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let them know they can't stay there. 
I walked, as I walked over to the car, the door opened up, and out got somebody who had been part of a, a congregation I used to serve. Now, they weren't somebody even when I was there I saw very often. It was like two or three times a year kind of thing. But I said to them, I said, you know, hey, um, I'll need you to move that. They want me to park there for the, for the, the entourage. And uh, they looked at me and they said, oh, don't worry, I'm not staying. There's no way I'm going to listen to you preach because you're a blank and blank. Well, to say it kind of took my breath away was an understatement. Um, I said something polite at that point, like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess we're all entitled to our opinions. And I went to move my car uh, and get it ready to pull into that spot. And I'm, I just was talking to God. I'm like, God, help me refocus my mind. I've got to be, I've got to give the word you need to get to this family now. Don't let me think about this right now. And, uh, and the Lord blessed me in that way, and, and that all changed. But over the next couple of days, the situation kept coming back to my mind. I kept thinking to myself, you know, I haven't thought about this person in seven years. I don't particularly like them. I don't want their good opinion. Why, why is this still eating at me? Why does this keep coming up in my mind? Lord, and I kept, I kept talking to God about it, and then... And, uh, I said, is it just my ego? Well, there was a little of that in there. But there was something else, and I, I couldn't figure out what it was. And as I prayed and I thought and I prayed and I thought, finally the Lord brought it to me that in the close to decade and a half I've known this person, the anger and the rage I experienced from them in that moment was all I had ever experienced from them. Not always directed at me, but always directed at someone or something. In fact, I couldn't even imagine that person's personality without anger being attached to it. And I thought to myself, that's what, that's what God was trying to teach me. I know as well as you what Jesus says about love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is how it gets hard. <laughs> This is what it really means. Not just that you should do this, because if that person is so dominated by anger, and I know that our anger will not produce the Lord's righteousness, that's in the book of James, that means there's something absent in their spirit that they desperately need, and I should be praying for them. Their, their attack of me in that moment should have elicited no other response from me but pity and prayer. The fact that it didn't, the fact that over those couple of days when I was processing it through, I kept getting these little snarky remarks in my mind, you know, things I think I could have said, oh, you won't listen to me preach? Have you ever listened to anyone preach the way you talk? You know. All of that was just proof that my heart has yet to be as transformed by the gospel as, as I want it to be. Because when I hear about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the only one of those I had in that moment was self-control. And a whole lot of the rest of that stuff was missing. So I, I need to pray because I have yet to be as transformed by what I believe as I can be. Because that's what that passage from Revelation is all about today.
In that passage, we see God's kingdom coming into the fullness of its fruition. And in that kingdom, we are told that there will be no death, no mourning, no weeping. The, the Lamb will be the light of the city of God. And in that place, in that place, all those things I just talked about of the fruit of the Spirit, that's not just the rules of living there. That's the natural way we will live there. And we have been claimed by God's grace, not just back from our sins, although that's true. God proves His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But He not only saves us from our sins, He saves us for that life we just heard about in the book of Revelation. In all of the spiritual stretching we go through in this world, what we call sanctification, or making us holy, all of that is just so that we can be better suited to live in that place when that time comes. For He wishes to give us not just life eternal, but His own eternal life. And that's all God's grace. Yes, stretching stinks. But it's how we grow into the people the Lord wants us to be. And who we've been claimed to be by our precious Savior. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, in the moment when we're being stretched, all we can feel is the pain. But we thank you, Lord, that your word reveals to us that that pain is for your purposes. That you are growing us spiritually to be more and more like your Son. More the people we were designed to be from the beginning. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon us. That we would, all of us, have a teachable spirit, humility that sets aside our egos so that when we reach that place, we can truly rejoice that the former things are no more, including the sin that clings so closely to us and to which we too often cling closely ourselves. Strengthen us, bless us, that we may have true holiness and thus show your love to one another and to the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.